broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline. You're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Hey, good after every, afternoon, everyone. This week we have an exceptional program and an exceptional guest. I'm very, very proud uh, to say that we have Miss, the mayor of Monterey, Mr. Clyde Roberson's, on the line. How are you this afternoon, Mayor? I'm, I'm doing very well, sheltering in place as I am supposed to. Ah, yes, of course. We have a lot to get to this week. It was a very busy week, surprisingly, in the city of Monterey. A lot of decisions were made. There were protests on the street uh, and uh, other things going on. Uh, first, let, let's talk a little bit about um, the mayor's history in, in Monterey. He has been here, I think, since 1968. Is that correct, Mayor? That uh, initially yes. when he started? And he taught for uh, uh, quite a while, 35 years as an elementary school teacher, third through sixth grade. And he spent 24 years, or 25 years, excuse me, on the Monterey City Council, including five terms as mayor, uh, from 1983 to 1987, and then most recently, 2014. And his term will be up in November, uh, if uh, I don't, you know, I I didn't read the, if you're running or not, but if he's reelected, he'll be uh, it'll be in November that we'll vote for you. So, uh, uh, what what is the plan for November? Or have you announced officially? No, I haven't uh, announced officially, but I think I've got one more term in me. So, especially <laughs> especially right now, where I think experience is is very important. Uh, having some history is very important as we're going through the COVID nineteen challenges. Because this, this is, these are really devastating times, as people have said. It's uh, one in a lifetime, if not a millennial, situation that we're going through. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely want to stick around for a couple more years and hopefully see everything back to normal. I, whatever the new normal is going to be, that's a whole topic for discussion, too. What is it going to look like? Are people going to be able to, are they willing to go back to our hotels and our motels and go out to dinner? And what will the protocols look like? So there's a lot of unknowns out there, which creates a lot of anxiety. Absolutely. I, you know, as a local business owner, it does, makes me anxious. I've lost about 60% of my business. So uh-huh. it's, it is a difficult time. Now, let's rewind the clock just a little bit and go back to 1983 during your first term first two terms as mayor. And uh, I think right around then, the Sheridan, now Marriott, had been built. I'm not sure what the status was of the uh, of the tunnel in Monterey and that whole area, the Middlebury and, and the aquarium area going into Fisherman's, War, uh, Fisherman's Wharf. So describe the political atmosphere then and maybe a little bit about your vision for the future and some of the things that, you, that maybe happened the way you thought they would and some of the things that maybe you would have, maybe could have, that maybe things could have gone better. Yes, that, that's a, a very good question with uh, lots of permutations and combinations. So going back to, I'll, I'll, if I may, I'll go back to 1981, happily teaching elementary school and joining our little neighborhood association here uh, in, in the hills of Monterey. And there was a, a project, it was a project, this is how it all started. A little pod. Oh, okay, Gracie. I think that's the the, the mayor's dog, uh, second in command, right? <laughs> no, nobody gets by this house without an announcement. <laughs> but 
But anyway, well, there was a project. So we as a neighborhood said we're, we're not against development. It was surplus school property. We're a single family neighborhood. We would very much appreciate it uh, if this is a, a single family subdivision. Well, it, it turned out to be a condominium. And again, uh, that's fine. But it was felt that let's be compatible with the neighborhood. So I went to city council meetings representing our five or six people membership. And it was my feeling at the time that we simply weren't listened to. Now others could say we were, but I was. I can distinctly remember sitting in the back of the council chambers. We'd made our presentation, the vote was taken, the neighbor's uh, position did not prevail. And I said, those five folks make the decisions around here. I'm gonna run for city council. So I went back and told my wife. Then after I picked her up off the floor, uh, she was surprised and stunned. I told my neighborhood association and they said, well, okay, but here, here's why it was is different. I was obviously unknown, but back then there were several issues going on. One, was the city going to expand out to Highway 68 with 4,000 houses where Montera Tejama is right now? Where are we gonna have wall-to-wall hotels on our waterfront and on our beach? And so those were the two big issues at the time, which was what was the future of Monterey going to look like? So in 1984, after I was the mayor of the Sheridan, I think probably was the reason I was elected mayor. Because mm-hmm. I opposed it, and it did go through, and it, it wasn't the, the final straw, but it was simply, no, that's not the direction we want our city to go. Now, subsequently, I did vote for some hotels on County Row, and I'm very happy that I did. But that's when we started Window to the Bay, and we cleared uh, all of the old properties. In 1984, I put a ballot measure on in the charter, and the people passed that by, I think, about 70%, which was a freeze on hotels. So as a result, we have a nice balance, but it was, were we going to be Waikiki, Miami Beach, or were we going to try to retain our small town feeling? Were we going to expand all the way out through Highway 68 with 4,000 homes, no water, no road improvements? So it really was a defining moment. I often say that uh, I just happened to be there at that time. I think many candidates at that time with those viewpoints could have won. And so that was kind of the feeling then. It was the quality of life. Where are we going? And I still feel that way. I love this city and I want to take care of it. And I think the number one issue that I hear still after all these years is this place is so special. This place is so amazing. Take care of it. Take care of it. I had a, a visit here about two years ago when we had our first Chinese festival and the council general from San Francisco representing mainland China came down as, as part of the festivities. And he said, Mayor, I made it through San Jose. This was Saturday. We made it through uh, Morgan Hill. We got through Gilroy. And as soon as we hit the peninsula, I could relax. And he's <laughs> telling me this. And he said, don't wreck this place. I said, yes, sir, council general. <laughs> <laughs> Why? So, yeah, the the Chinese, because true, because if you hit the Pajaro River right after that, you can definitely see the difference in between Monterey County's policies. And I know that's not the the city of Monterey, but you can definitely see it. Uh, You know, and on that note, 
bringing forward to modern issues, SB 50 was, there was a lot of, uh, I think there was a lot of aspects and facets to it, but the, the one that's interesting is the density requirements of that, of that particular legislation. And I believe, um, I read in, in the weekly that you you were not in favor of some of those increased density measures. And is that a fair characterization, or how would you describe your position? Well, SB 50, which was presented by Mr. Weiner from San Francisco, he's floated that uh, two or three sessions now. And that bill basically says if a structure, if housing is near a transportation hub, Mm-hmm. Then you could, uh, they mandated extra density without parking. And so how would that apply to our small city? So my, my opposition to that is not so much, yes, we need to provide affordable housing. My opposition was, one, taking control from local government. And that, that was number one. And we have that constant fight because we're constantly, continuously getting mandates from the state. You must do this, this, you must do that, taking away local control. Well, right now with COVID-19, it's basically, there's a lot of state level controls. Same thing. Oh, sure. And so my, my basic point was, you, you know, the legislature passes a blanket rule, but it's the same rule that applies to San Francisco and Los Angeles apply to Marina, Seaside, Carmel, Salinas, and I just was uh, hoping that there would be a little more discretion. So a 10-story building down on Seminole Plaza mandated is a little bit different than a 10-story building in downtown L.A. next to a mass transit or in San Francisco next to BART. It was this one-size-fits-all and imposing state rules on local jurisdictions was where I was taking issue. That is, yeah, because those that problem is if you look at San Francisco there, they have a vertical issue there because they've so much like two story buildings, two story row homes and things. And, and I could see that. Yeah. If you demoed like the old bank that's across from Brittany arms or whatever, and you built like a 10 story housing building there, it would, it would be a different situation than if you did it in um, some of the outlying neighborhoods of San Francisco. So, but uh, is, so how would you suggest we increase or decrease the price of housing by increasing the availability of housing? Do you think it's a, it's a Monterey Seaside Marina kind of have to work together to do that. Or do you think there's specific things Monterey could do it in its own, on its own to increase the availability of housing? Right. Well, there are a couple of things that we've done recently that I'm very pleased about. And I think pretty much unanimous uh, support. We've done some rezoning out by the airport on garden road. Oh yeah. There's a, yeah, that was going to ask you about that. So there's a apartment building that just got made it through the planning commission. Is that correct? Yes. And there will be more. So we've zoned that for apartments for a couple of reasons. One is it's really never made it as a light industrial, which it was designed to be. Mm-hmm. Similarly, when Ryan Ranch was approved, I had just gotten on the council when Ryan Ranch was approved, and that was going to be light industrial to expand our economic base. So we weren't so dependent on tourism. Mm-hmm. Well, now uh, Ryan Ranch is basically a medical center with Chomp, which I'm very excited about and employs a lot of people. And Garden Road looked like a very logical place. We had a developer, Mr. Slama, who had a great plan. He could work within the existing envelope. There was water. So mm-hmm. we, we ex- uh, created an overlay where we could have housing there. And it doesn't impact uh, existing neighbors. On the other hand, it, it's close enough to town. 
where people can get in and out fairly easily. The other area that we're looking at is east downtown, and we've done some upzoning, higher density Over allowances Lake there. Alistair. Is that Lake Alistero area? The Lake Alistero area. Yeah. And and that's another one where you, if I walked it and I thought, okay, we're, what are we going to do here? It was pretty amazing with that it's, it's an area that needs some refreshing, can use some housing. But it's it's a big issue because you, you take a look at Fort Ord or Marina, and I read that one of the subdivisions in Marina, mm-hmm. 50% of those homes were bought by Bay Area people. Oh, I can I can believe it. The ones out off Imogen? Yeah, I could. I yes, can exactly. Yeah. So we're thinking about, well, we want to provide housing for locals, but it is, uh, you can't limit who can buy something. And then that yeah. drives up prices. I have some colleagues and friends from Palo Alto, and they've said Palo Alto is being ruined with mm. mansionization, old homes being torn down, these huge mansions being built, uh, more and more and more people. And they, they're saying, we're moving to Monterey. That's what Palo Alto used to look like 20 or 30 years ago. So the quality of life here does attract people. So affordable housing requires one, most likely, government donation of the land. That's the key. And if there are any water credits until we solve the water problem, some water allotment. But we are really at the mercy of the market as well. So the the 19 units that we just built behind the fire station, mm-hmm. that was city land and Bank America loans, um, MedPen housing, which specializes. So it takes that kind of combination to create affordable housing. So looking at Garden Road and East Downtown, I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to that providing housing for us. I was wondering, it's just real quick on a follow-up on the Garden Road project, is mm-hmm. these uh, Delray Oaks uh, moving, the, like I think the North Boundary Road has been formally rejected. Is that going to affect the access through Garden Road or will it just, or will we expand the entrance to the airport now or do you or is there even a plan yet (laughs) well it's the airport has an adopted master plan and they did an environmental impact report and they designated their new their new access through delray oaks from the airport to delray oaks so delray oaks said we don't think so Uh, we don't want all that traffic pouring through us and even though the airport assured them that it would be minimal etc so their fallback position is, well, we've got Airport Road. We'll just uh, concentrate all of our traffic through Airport Road. Well, as you can imagine, that didn't go over real well with our side of the neighbors. Yep. And and so uh, we, I have just written a letter on behalf of the city saying, no, 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 no. You can't have all this expansion of the airport and just dump it in our neighborhood. And it, the letter also said, let's start looking at Highway 68 as your main entrance and exit. And if their traffic numbers are correct, which is questionable, it would be an insignificant impact to Highway 68. But to go through existing neighborhoods is hard. Casanova Oak Knoll neighborhood is, it, it's a super fun site. They had to clean up, the, uh, they used uh, jet fuel to clean jets and they have a plume, a toxic plume going through their neighborhood. They have the fairgrounds, they're good neighbors, but they have fairgrounds impact. They have uh, Fleet and Miracle traffic. Then they have the north side of the airport, which is a lot of it non-aviation uses. So their neighbors are saying, come on, airport, let's work together. On, from the airport's viewpoint, 
they have a potential of getting an FAA loan of about $10 million. So they needed, in their mind, to revise the plan so they can get the money. And I think uh, once things settle down, we'll be able to work it out. So that, that's Interesting. how it all... Interesting. Well, that, we'll be back after a short break with the mayor of Monterey, Clyde Roberson. You've been listening to What's the Plan on Central Coast's Power Talk, 1460 AM and 101.1 FM. One company is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Sounds like a big number, doesn't it? Not to express employment professionals. We take pride in connecting the right people with the right company. Express Employment Professionals is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Let us help. We'll open doors for you. For great employees, call Monterey County Express Employment Professionals, 831-920-1230. That's 831-920-1230. Advertising. Love it or hate it, it's a vital tool for business owners to attract customers and earn a living. But some city governments have arbitrary laws about what advertising signs can and cannot say. The First Amendment protects freedom of speech. IJ is committed to defending free speech against excessive and unfair government regulations. Please visit our website today at ij.org to find out how you can help the Institute for Justice. If you're planning an event and searching for the perfect venue, consider the Monterey County Sheriff's Posse Grounds on Old Natividad Road in Salinas. The Posse Grounds has it all. A complete kitchen, barbecue pits. We also have an outdoor stage featuring a large dance area, all in a private setting and wide open spaces. So book your event now. Call 831-444-6267 or visit our website at mcsposse.com. The Monterey County Sheriff's Posse is a not-for-profit organization. And at 12 minutes before the hour, let's go ahead and go back to the man with the plan on what's the plan. And here's Paul Wyant. That's right. Thank you, Mark. We are sitting down excitingly with the mayor of Monterey, Mr. Clyde Roberson. Uh, and we have a long way to go still and a short time to get there, Mayor. And we've been talking about, like, the development of the of the airport and other things. And the, and the central kind of theme of this show, everybody I talk to, whether it's the city manager, Marina, or Steve McShane, it's always water development agriculture and then the uh the character of the peninsula mm-hmm. you know like the lone cypress and the environment and there's just yes. just forever like put give and take between those four pillars and and the actually the airport is another case study of that it's like everything from when Landwatch started opposing projects that there was an 800 home development in chular uh back in the like early aughts it's, but it's gone on for before that. You're describing it in the 80s, and it's just—it's kind of fascinating that. I, and maybe that's the beauty of this county is like it's almost like the three pillars of government that, you know, they lock each other down, and what really needs to get done will get done in the end. But um, this week uh, we saw a kind of sad, a sad bit of news because I know at least the, I, I believe it was the CEO of the uh, the Monterey uh, Convention uh, Center said that Monterey lost something like. Uh, 10 million of its 80 million dollar budget or maybe even more uh or is projected to and uh the sadness this week was a decision was made to lay off 82 city workers so i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that mayor yes uh first of all what this last quarter our fiscal year ends in june 30th 
that ten million dollars that ten million dollars is for this fiscal year, and even and going into layoffs in a moment, but the the layoffs really were irrelevant to that ten million dollar cut, but related of course because going forward we're looking, and our new fiscal year starting July first. If things continue as they are, we could be looking at anywhere from a 1.5 to a $2 million monthly wow. deficit. And unfortunately, any service organization, most of its budget, well, unfortunately is the wrong word. Unfortunately, that's where layoffs have to happen. That's where you get the money. Fortunately, we have so many great employees. So let me rephrase that. And so... Uh, where do the cuts have to be made? Monterey got impacted probably earlier than others. I just read that 90% of cities in the state of California, according to the League of California Cities, will be making layoffs. In the next two years, cities in California will be losing $7 billion in an aggregate with, at this point, no state or federal bailout or assistance. And so the layoffs, uh, I've personally been through that as a school teacher in my early career. They're, believe it or not, they had more teachers than possibly they needed or they didn't have enough budget to pay for teachers. Nothing ever changes. <laughs> and so I, I was never laid off, but I was on a list and, and that creates a lot of anxiety. So I always say, this was really hard to sit here and have to make a decision to lay off people. Some of the uh, people who work in the city of Monterey are former students of mine, because I've taught in the city of Monterey. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, they're just friends, they're acquaintances. I've been around for a while and I know these people. So when I say it was an agonizing decision for me to be laid off, makes my agony much smaller than what they're dealing with. Are they gonna be rehired? Healthcare, that, that's a really tough one because I think this whole COVID-19 virus points out we need universal health care rather than to get into the debate, is it Medicare for all? Is it the, the Affordable Care Act, a combination, a hybrid? So anyone being laid off after two months, they don't have health insurance anymore. Mm -hmm. And that can be catastrophic. So one of the things we're looking at is how can we extend that at least six months, which is the length of state unemployment payments. That's really difficult. And so what if that's the only wage earner in your home? And how do you pay the rent? It's uh, for, for our council, very empathetic. Most of us uh, public employees over, over the years, we felt that really heavily. But I know the people who have been given a layoff notice can't even imagine what they're going through. That has to be so difficult. So our goal is this is going to be temporary as the rules loosen, we'll bring people back. I just saw that Dr. Moreno, county public health officer, said that uh, some kind of child care and summer camps will be permitted. So our staff this weekend is going to be working on that. What does that mean? Preparing protocols, submitting to the county. Okay, we're in. This is what we want to do. Here's our plan and then we can bring the recreators back. But why did Monterey get hit so hard so early? Of 28,000 people, our population, what other city has its own conference center? Closed. What other city has a Monterey sports center, or a sports center like ours? Closed. Three recreation centers that provided childcare and recreation and preschool? 
closed on a major parking operation closed and so the work isn't there and if if we could we continue to pay everybody but the revenues are terrible our hotel occupancy tax or occupancy is going from 75 percent hotel rooms full to 15 percent and dropping our sales tax collapsed then another point that and all of these things make monterey special in normal times but they're especially difficult when things aren't normal. Then you take a look at our wonderful Naval Postgraduate School. Doesn't pay property tax. Defense Language Institute doesn't pay property tax. MPC doesn't pay property tax. Middlebury doesn't pay property tax. Monterey Bay Aquarium doesn't pay property tax. That's that's like about 40% of the land area, too. It's a huge land area. And so that hits us, too. So between property taxes... And sales taxes and hotel motel taxes, we have been absolutely clobbered and devastated. And that's why we had to make this very serious decision with the hope and the promise that as things get back to normal, we're bringing our family back. That's who they are. Well, we have just a little bit of time left. Uh, and I did want to – I think the Palm pays you for their – as part of the public-private venture to, for the public work side – there's yes. a little bit of money there, but that's that's a small piece. Uh, the uh, there was protests this week on on uh, Del or I'm sorry uh, Del Monte Avenue on Friday about opening back up. I think there's a lot of statistics about like children under the age of 18 not really susceptible. People between the ages of 18 and 50 maybe are, have similar uh, mortality rates as the flu. Those are all kind of early numbers coming out of like New York and places like like that. What what would you say to the protesters? What are your thoughts on that? Understand the frustration. I read recently that three-fourths of uh, the people in the United States are, are feeling anxiety, depression, worry, fear, naturally. <clears throat> so I, I think this is a manifestation of people saying we need to get back to work. So I understand that. On the other hand, I, I just think I just saw on uh, one of the talk uh, not radio, talk TV stations, that Georgia had a spike and may have to withdraw its opening. So I'll have to corroborate that. And so I understand people's frustrations. But on the other hand, I think we have a, a pandemic that's that's unparalleled and it's the unknowns. And that, that is what's hard. I'm in that vulnerable group. I don't know how I turned into the vulnerable group. I read about all these old folks and go, hey, wait a minute, that guy's younger than me. <laughs> and so, yes, for 80% of the people, it's mild, 20%, it's more serious, but the death rate's pretty high. And it's like the definition of uh, minor surgery, mm-hmm. somebody else's. Yeah. <laughs> so it's easy to say, oh, we're not going to get COVID-19, open up, but until you get it. Until so. You get it, yeah. Yeah, and so I think we have to, as everybody says, we have to go with the science. So I understand the frustration. I'm getting it too. Open up the boat ramp, uh, salons. We need. I'm, I'm getting so shaggy. You can thank you. Oh, Mayor Roberson, that music means that we have to go. But up next is business since radio with Edward King. 
I really enjoyed the conversation, Mayor Roberson. Hopefully we can have you back at some point. I want to thank the greatest producer in the universe, Mr. Mark Carbonero, and of course, the great Dave Marzetti for helping make this program possible. Thanks again, and you're listening to Power Talk 1460 AM and 101.1 FM. Please stay for Business Sense with Ed King next. When I'm back on top, back on top in June.